0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
1: Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, January the 20th, 2023. It is currently 1152 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, and it's from this studio we launched an investigation, a full-blown investigation. Maybe we need some new theme music for this series, right? Something like true crime, something like investigative journalist, because we decided to enter into the very bizarre, creepy, crazy, deceptive world of pastor's buying their sermons. Now, yes, I'm being a little bit over the top. You may be thinking I'm using a little bit of humor, but I have to use a little bit of humor because this is so crazy. It is so bizarre that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. And if I don't have a little bit of fun, then I'm just going to turn on this microphone and go in a full-blown rant and start screaming and yelling and losing my mind which I don't think would be beneficial to anyone. It may be entertaining. It may be entertainment, but I don't think it would be edifying or beneficial. But let me be very, 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 very honest with you. There's a part of me that wants to start screaming because what in the world has happened? Has the church just become a place where pastors are nothing more than actors reading scripts? Now, in some ways, I feel that that's already—I think I think there's always been a temptation to do that, right? you got to figure out what your audience wants, and then you've got to deliver week after week after week. And you got to know that there's some things you can say, there's some things you can't say. If you say this, you offend people. You offend people, they leave the church. So you've always got—because you, you can always—as a pastor, you can always tell when someone's becoming unhappy. You can always tell. And you've got to make a determination. Do I preach what I think needs to be preached, or do I back up? Do I— do I take some steps back? do i do I tone it down to keep them happy? So there's always a temptation where the pastor has to, in a sense, be an actor, right? it's He's got to follow the template. He's got to follow the script. But I think we've taken it to a whole new level now where there are these companies out there that says, "Hey, buy our sermon series kit. you'll have your sermon and preach it. So this is what we what we did. We started talking about this bizarre world of pastors buying their sermons we went to sermoncentral.com, sermoncentral.com, and we purchased a sermon series kit called Live Ready, Remaining Faithful in Difficult Times. We went through the planning guide, which was nine pages long, which basically, when you pay, and we paid $50 for this I want you to know I paid $50 simply to be able to do this series. I did not want to spend $50 to do this series. But the only way to really investigate this was to actually go through the purchase process and see exactly what you get. So for $50, the first thing you get really is a marketing strategy. Hey, here's how you market this series. So in a roundabout way, the the focus is not... Preach the series so that people may grow. Oh, you throw in that language, but really, is how can you best utilize? How can you best position? How can can you best strategize to get the most out of this sermon series? And when we say get the most out of this sermon series, it's not about people's spiritual edification. How can we use this sermon series? to bring more people in so that there'll be more people. So you need to make sure you have a strategy. Make sure you market this on Instagram, on Facebook. Make sure you maybe use a Christian radio. You use this material to get people's attention. And now you make sure you have everyone ready. You got enough greeters. You got enough parking. You got enough people working in the nursery because there's going to be an influx of people. And you got to get the most out of this sermon. I mean, it's a marketing strategy that you paid $50 for. But what I wanted to see is the sermons, right? I mean, the first thing I get is nine pages, not on preaching, not on theology, not on doctrine, not on exegesis, not on exposition, but on marketing, okay? Which tells you a lot about the mindset of the church. But at the same time, listen, listen, I do understand this. Look, if you're a pastor and your livelihood is dependent, On the number of people attending that church and giving, and inevitably, you're going to, at times, turn your attention to that more than what you should. Now, when you're in a situation where, hey, you don't want to pay me, don't pay me. I'm not dependent on you for my income. Well, the church has far less leverage over you, okay? They, I mean, like, what are you going to do? Stop paying me? Go ahead, right? I mean, like, but when when your livelihood is dependent on it, it, it really impacts them. That's a whole different podcast discussion to have. So we purchased this. We went through the nine pages of the planning guide. I didn't read every single word because at some point it became obvious what it was about. Then we did an episode where we started. I started going through sermon number one. I started reading it to you right? I started reading it to you. And someone, one of our listeners, did an amazing job. They started researching sermons out there that clearly was pastors who purchased this sermon series kit. They found one from last Sunday where they preached sermon number one. And guess what? We started reviewing that pastor preaching this sermon that he paid $50 for, uh, or Well, not for the one sermon, but for the entire kid, he paid $50 for them. but he paid $50 to get access to this one sermon. And ladies and gentlemen, it did not disappoint. disappoint. We started reviewing that sermon and it was crazy We I'm reading the script. Then we're listening to him read the script. I'm reading the script. Then he's reading the script and almost at times verbatim he ad-libbed a few times, but you could clearly tell when he reverted back to the script when he was ad-libbing. It was f- and what was so messed up is he clearly at times either, ex- well, at least once I feel explicitly seemed to try to indicate that he came up with, that him and his group came up with the title for the sermon series, which he did not. He never indicated he bought it. And then he made some comment like, Hey you guys may not uh, may not know a lot about John Wesley, but let me give you some points. Sir, you are you didn't study John Wesley. You were reading the illustration that was provided to you in the sermon you purchased. Then he mocked and criticized TV preachers. And I'm like, how are you criticizing any preacher when you literally bought your sermon and you're reading the script? It has been insane to listen to, but we are going to finish this up. Now, remember, the name of the sermon series is Live Ready, Remaining Faithful in Difficult Times, and Sermon 1 in the series is called Live Ready, Week 1, Ready Your Soul. I'm not going to go back and read and go back through all the things we've covered. We have gotten down now to the main teaching section of the sermon, and he is uh, reading Matthew 24, 42 through 44, all right? And here is the script. Are you ready? Jesus, in this passage, is speaking about himself. He says that we must keep watch for his coming. What does this mean? What does he mean by this? The Bible talks about the second coming of Christ. We know uh so we uh, we know and celebrated during Christmas time that Jesus came once to earth as a baby boy to save us from our sin, but there came a point in its ministry of Jesus when he returned to heaven. however, he surely left us with the promise as we wait his return. Wouldn't it be so cool if we could know when a crime would be committed? This is the very thing Jesus says in relation to his second coming. No one fully knows when the Son of Man will return, but in fact, he will return, and it should affect our daily lives. If Jesus is to come back, there is work to be done, or the way they actually put it, he will re- his return should affect our lives daily. That's the exact way it's written. If Jesus is to come back, there is work to be done. Then we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So that's the script. We're kind of right there in the middle of the script. He's reading Matthew 24, 42 through 44. Let's pick up our review. Again, there's no easy transition into this. We're just going to jump in. But what we are witnessing, what we are listening to is a pastor who straight up bought a sermon, preaching it as his own, even trying to convince the church that they came up, that his staff came up with the sermon title, which they did not. They bought the sermon kit. It, it, it seems from the video that they may not actually be using the graphics, almost trying to keep it like maybe even more hidden. But this is not his sermon. <laughs> this is from a sermon series that's been for sale now for years. It's been for uh, for sale. They, they in a sense, have, a, I guess, kind of repackaged it or are, are kind of re-promoting it at sermoncentral.com. But this is just, it's just, this. I don't have any words. Most of you who have responded via email have all said the same thing. This is crazy. This is, you can't tell me this is happening. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening. And I, I guarantee there is at least one church I found in our research. Literally every sermon series was purchased. Every sermon. They were using the graphics, using the videos. They they literally, all that church does, the pastor buys the sermons and reads the script. I, I'm, I. I just don't even, know. I don't even, but, and here's what frustrates me. These pastors are all pastors of large churches, large churches, multi-site campuses. They're making money. They, 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 they have job, they have financial stability. And then some of us who don't buy our sermons or pastoring in the middle of nowhere with very few people and no money, But I I guess I I need to, I I need to just start buying my sermons and package every, I just, I just, you know, then I'll, then I, I mean, yeah, I could, I could fix everything, but this just, I don't know, it's just bizarre, but here we go. Let's just jump back into the sermon because there's no, there's no easy transition. You know what I'm getting ready to say, ladies and gentlemen, let's walk up to the edge of the pool and we're just going to jump in. No dipping our toe, we're just going to jump in. It's always that, it's kind of an abrupt Going back into these sermon reviews, I wish there was an easy, smooth transition. I do everything I can in my introduction to try to get everyone on the same page. Hopefully you're ready to go. Let's jump into the pool right now. Verse 44. So you also must
0: be ready. Say ready. Ready. Because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Keep Watch. Jesus is saying in this passage, speaking about
1: himself, that we must keep watch for his coming. Okay, let me read the script. Jesus in this passage is speaking about himself. He says that we must keep watch for his coming. He's literally reading verbatim from the script. We know...
0: That the celebration of Jesus that we do during Christmas time is regarding his first coming to the earth. Once he was a baby boy, he grew into a man, he sacrificed himself on the cross, he purchased our salvation with his blood, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven with a promise that he
1: would be coming back. Okay, now he adlibs a little bit here, but basically it's for straight from the script. We know during Christmas time that Jesus once uh, that Jesus has come to earth, well, or once Jesus has come once to earth as a baby boy to save us from our sins. But there came a point in his ministry of Jesus when he returned to heaven. So it's not verbatim, but it's I mean he's just throwing in a, a, just a couple of additional terms, talking about basically Jesus first coming, growing into a man, death an ascension. Go, 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 basically following the script, just adding a little extra thing here or there. He left us,
0: but he told us to wait on a promise for his return.
1: Straight from the script, sh- he surely left us with a promise as we await his return. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, any deviation is so slight like he's only barely moving away from the script sometimes i mean he is staying as close to the script as pa- he, he the script is his guide the script is his map the script is the is, is, is i mean everything in this sermon look at verse 44 again
0: so you also must be ready why Because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Wouldn't it be so
1: cool if we could know when a crime would be committed? (laughs) Straight from the script. I will read. Wouldn't it be so cool if we could know when a crime would be committed? Directly from the script.
0: I mean, this is what Jesus is saying in relation to his
1: second coming. So nobody... Right from the script, this is the very thing Jesus says in relation to his second coming. No one fully knows when the Son of Man will return, but the fact that he will return should affect our lives daily. If Jesus is to come back, there is work to be done. Let's see how close he stays to the script. Nobody fully knows when the Son of Man is going to return. But the fact
0: that he will return should affect our daily lives. If Jesus is to come back, there's work to be
1: done. He's saying. (laughs) It's so creepy. It is so insane. It is so insane that you can just sit there and just like there is no creativity. There's no originality. There's no actual thinking or studying. It's just he bought it. He's reading it. And again, I, I think most people could care less. I think most people, if they like the sermon, they don't care. But you can draw your own conclusion. The next thing, he should be getting ready to go to Acts 1-8. Let's see if there's a deviation here. Look, if if a guy knew his house was going to be broken into,
0: well, he'd he'd take necessary steps to safeguard against being robbed. And he's saying, you don't know when I'm going to return, but... Until I do, there's, there's business to handle. There's important things to do. You need to be ready. Be ready to be used. Be ready to be effective. Be ready to be active. Be ready to be responsive. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In a nutshell, this is what followers of Christ have been given
1: to do. All right, let me read from the script. This, in a nutshell, is the task that we as followers of Christ have been given while our King Jesus is away. He even uses the word nutshell. <laughs> like, like he can't. He can't even verify. He can't even. He can't even very, he can't even, you know, deviate from the text and saying, hey, this is the task that that we have been given as Christians. No, no, no. He has to say this in a nutshell is the task that we as followers of Christ. Now he does deviate a little bit at the end, but it's just funny, like how at times he's so precise to say right word for word with the text, with the script, I should say. This is our job
0: while King Jesus is away. We're called to share his message offer his hope,
1: express his salvation with the whole world. All right, let me read the whole script again. This this is this in a nutshell is the task we as followers of Christ have been given. While our King Jesus is away, we are called to share his message of hope and salvation with all the world. Now, this is the rest of the script. With this kind of message and task, we do not have to be afraid of things that, that would come our way. Maybe today you feel as if there is something holding you back from going all in for Christ. You feel like your joy has been stolen from you countless occasions, or you've lost all hope to keep moving forward. Regardless of where you are today, the message of Christ is still the same. You will face trouble, but take heart and keep watch, for i am overcome the world and, and empower you as well. Are we truly ready all the time as Jesus says in this Matthew passage? That, that's the whole script. Let's see how close he sticks to it.
0: We're called to animate his character. We're called to be Jesus in the flesh. See, with this kind of a message, with this kind of task, we don't have to be afraid of the things that would come our way. Why? Because we're, 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 we're on official business. We have credentials that authorize us to do this official business that transcend the authority of the enemy. We have power and authority bestowed upon us. If there's anything holding you back, it's because you're not engaged and you've not taken his command
1: seriously. Right, so if something's holding you back, it's because you haven't taken his commands seriously. I guess he doesn't believe it that we still have a sinful nature, or that I, you know, all kinds of theological issues with this. All right, now he's deviated a little bit from the text, but from the script. But trust me, he'll get right back into it. He's not going to go too far. He's not going to wander too far away. He's not going to veer away too far. He's going to come right back to it. You'll, in fact, you can usually, you can usually immediately hear when he goes back to reading.
0: What's holding you back from going all in for Jesus? Maybe you feel like your joy has been stolen. Maybe you feel like you failed too many times. Maybe you feel like you've sinned too much. Maybe you feel like God can't forgive you. I met with a young fellow this week and we had a a wonderful conversation and we talked about a a variety of things. That's one of his challenges. It just feels like he's beyond God's ability to forgive. I said, are you, are you bigger than God? I mean, are you really bigger than God that you think that you're so big that God can't forgive you?
1: Now he's adding this in. Now, the thing I'm just blown away with for $50, I, I still don't even really understand what the point of this sermon is. I It's kind of be ready, but now it's kind of like, I don't know. Now it's like. Hey, nothing can hold you back if you take the commands of God. Hey, now it's like, hey, if you feel like you can't be forgiven, God can forgive. Like, I don't really know exactly what the main emphasis of the sermon. He's not exegeted any passage, and it's just kind of this rambling, thrown together, like, stream of consciousness of ideas that I guess are kind of loosely related. I don't know. So he's, now here he's clearly deviated. He's at least bringing in a personal story, so that's good. He's not stealing a personal story from this And making it his own. So that's a good thing. Because that's essentially what you're saying. If
0: you say that God can't forgive you. You're saying I'm bigger than him. Yet he acknowledges that that can't be true. And what it comes down to is he wants to be God in his life. He doesn't want God to be God. He wants to be God. He wants to dictate. He wants to rule. He wants to direct. He wants to inform. He wants to instruct. He wants to guide. Until he comes up against something where he lacks the capacity and the ability to affect the kind
1: of outcome that he desires. Um, If you ever come to me and tell me you're struggling because you feel guilty, you don't feel like God can forgive your sins. I hope I don't then walk up in the pulpit the following Sunday and say, you, you want to be God. It's because you want to be God. You want to have control. You won't let God be God. Hopefully I would not do that. So either the person he met obviously doesn't attend the church. But even then, that's the counsel you give. Hey, you feel guilty? Well, guess what? You're trying to be God. How about maybe, hey, give them the comfort of the gospel? I don't know. Maybe that would be a good thing to do. Please see our listen to our series on law and gospel. All right, here we go. Then he's willing to say,
0: oh, well, maybe, maybe I need God. Well, I can tell you this, regardless of where you are today,
1: the message of Christ is still the same, and the message of Christ. See, he just slept right back into the text. Regardless of where you are today, the message of Christ is still the same. That's literally verbatim. See, he he deviated, he veered just a little bit, and then boom, right back to the script. Christ is this: this world is
0: it's hard, it's tough. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, "You will face trouble." I don't know any non-Christian or any Christian who doesn't face trouble. I mean, it would be different to me if, if non-Christians had this attractive, perfect life and, and they never had challenges. But I visit hospitals on a regular basis where there are lots of non-Christians who are in the same ICUs, separated by just a wall next to the people who are Christian. The reality is we all have struggle. Jesus says that you will face trouble, but take heart and keep watch for I have overcome the world and empower
1: you as well. He's literally reading the scripture as given in the script. So he's not even like he's not even opening a Bible. He's literally just reading the way it's written in the script. What's he saying? He's saying
0: you're going to have the same struggle, the same challenge, the same obstacle, the same difficulty, the same pitfalls, the same temptations, the same highs and the same lows and the same attacks and the same sicknesses come your way that everybody who doesn't serve me has come their way. But take heart because I've overcome those things. You can have hope that you will also overcome those things. You're going to get through it. I'm going to make sure that you get through it. I'm going to make sure that you fulfill your destiny. I'm going to make sure that you overcome. The question is, are we truly ready all the time?
1: Like Jesus says in this passage in Matthew. Right? Back to the script. Are we truly ready all the time? As Jesus says in the Matthew passage, Right back to the script. There's a
0: pastor named Levi Lusko who once said this. He said, if Jesus came back right in the middle of you committing sin against God, what would that be like?
1: All right. Now he's right to back to the script. There's a pastor named Levi Lusco who once said, if Jesus came back right in the middle of you sinning against God, what would that be like? Well, I would just like to make sure if Jesus comes back at any point, at any time, You're going to be sinning because I can give you three scriptures. Love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You're constantly failing on that one. Love your neighbor as yourself. You're constantly failing at that. And he says, be holy as I am holy. You've never done that. So when he comes back in some way, shape, or form, you will be sinning. So, but of course, this reduces sin to just some external action instead of how it's really viewed, which is any deviation from the holy standard of God in thought, word, or deed, external or internal. But okay, all right, I get the idea. But the point is, he's literally just reading from the script. All right, so here we go.
0: Think about that for a minute. Right back, in the moment that you are committing... Sin, you are rebelling against God. You are breaking God's
1: commands. Maybe you're coveting. <laughs> Literally, the script says this. Okay, there's a there's a pastor named Levi Lusco who once said, if Jesus came back right in the middle of your sinning against God, what would that be like? And then it says in the script, make the point that Clearly, this would affect you one way or another. It would change your decision-making process. So, so here, they're literally now giving you a prompt. Make the point. Make this point. Drive this point home. Do this. Make the point that if Jesus would come back right now and find you sinning, it would clearly affect you one way or the other. It would change your decision-making process because you know all we have to know is that if Jesus if Jesus was to catch me in sin I would not sin but I don't know God was literally in the midst of Israel and they sinned and, sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned and sinned Jesus was right there with the disciples and they sinned because guess what even the presence of God in front of us doesn't change the depravity inside of us but that's a whole that gets into some theological issues and this sermon's not going to get in any theological issues because it's just reading a script but I think it's funny It says, make the point, and it literally tells you what to do. Maybe you're stealing, maybe you're lying,
0: maybe you're worshiping something other than God. But you're in the act of defiance, and Jesus comes back instantly. What would that be like? Well, I think it would definitely affect you one way or another. Anybody agree with that? It would affect you one way or another. It would change your decision making process
1: i believe I believe see now he's literally reading from the he uh, I'm just hit the the uh, microphone stand sorry um he's literally reading from the script again uh, it says make the point that clearly. Right. But and so he he kind of, he leaves that out and then he just says this would affect you one way or the another. It would change your decision making process. Does someone agree with that? So he leaves out the the prompt where it says, hey, make this point. He he just kind of then turns it into a question. Hey, don't you agree? This would change your decision making process. Don't you agree? He just based, still basically staying right with the script.
0: believe that that it would change the way that you go about deciding things. Well, Lusco says that this image should be one that we
1: keep in the front of our minds daily. Why? All right. Now he says. Now he says that Lusco says this, this. This is not. So this is not even fair because Lusco doesn't say this. Uh, Levi Lusco only said, and this is what we have in quotes. If Jesus came back right in the middle of your sinning against God, what would that be like? End quote. But then he turns around. Says that Lusco says this image should be one we keep in the front of our minds daily. No, Lusco did not say that. That's not a quote from Levi Lusco. So if you're going to read the script, at least uh, uh, give the accreditation to the right person. That is from the script you bought, not from Levi Lusco. But he's not even paying attention enough to the script to realize no, no, you're seeing that Lusco said this. Lusko's statement was very simple and very short. Now this next part, this image should be one we keep in the front of our minds daily. God calls us to say no to certain things in the world so that we may say yes to to the things he wants to offer us. We must keep watch over our own lives and invite those into that process with us as we continue growing in faith, hope, and love. Literally, that's not from Levi Lusko. Levi Lusko only said, if Jesus came back right in the middle of you sinning against God, what would that be like? End quote. The quotation marks start and end. Now he's saying that Levi Lusko said something he didn't say. He I mean, I mean, come on. If you literally have the script in front of you.
0: Because God calls us to say no to certain things in the world. And he calls us to say no to certain things, not because he wants to destroy our fun or or make our life miserable, but because he wants us to be in position to say yes to the things that he offers. We have to keep watch over. We have to be ready. Our lives are our lives, and it's our job to keep watch. Second thing, keep learning.
1: Okay. That's it. Now, I guess. <laughs> oh boy! I mean, this sermon is just—I—I I, I don't even—I I mean, oh, the sermon is so irritating because it just seems like I don't know. If, I, I, like, if you're going to take the script, you could have organized, a, a organized this in a far better way. You could have organized this in a far better way. But okay. So now, keep learning. That's right here in the bold. And here's the paragraph for keep learning. As we think about lo- the lifelong process of faith and the continuous work of sanctification in our lives, it is imperative that we stay curious and stay committed to learning. The word of God is meant to serve as our guide for everyday life here on earth. Isn't it a beautiful thing that Jesus did not live, leave us without the help of the Holy Spirit? Instead, he gave us a wonderful guide. Some of you here may know the story of Joshua in the Old Testament. Here's what the Lord says in verse 8 of, the, of chapter 1. Here we go. Let's see how close he follows this. As we think about
0: this lifelong process of faith and this continuous work of sanctification or being made different by God in our lives, it's important for us to stay curious and committed to learning. I mentioned earlier the value and the importance of the Word of God. It's meant to serve as a guide for everyday living.
1: The Word of God is meant it's to a be a, a guide. Thing that Jesus. The, the word of God is meant to be a, a guide for everyday living. Uh, what, here's what I would ask. Is it supposed to be a guide for sermon writing? I'm j- just, just curious. Hey, hey, all of you sitting in the pew, the word of God is supposed to be a guide for your everyday living. But trust me, it's not a guide for my sermon prep because I pay $50 to buy sermons. God, it's meant to
0: serve as a guide for everyday living. It's a beautiful thing that Jesus didn't just leave us without help. He sent the Holy Spirit. And we have the Scripture. He gave us this wonderful guide. Some of you may know the story of Joshua from the Old
1: Testament. Literally, word from word from the script telling people that the Word of God is supposed to be the guide for their life, but the Word of God was not even the guide in his life to write this sermon that he paid money for, and he's reading verbatim. It's insanity to watch this unfold and and, and, and listen to this in real time.
0: This is what the Lord said to him in verse 8, Joshua chapter 1. He said, Keep this book of the law always on your lips... Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. God says the keys to Joshua to prosper and succeed and all that he does lie in whether or not the book of the law
1: would guide his every move. Whether he would think of it. Hey, if you want to be successful and prosperous, the Word of God should be your guide. If you want to be successful and prosperous in preaching, buy your sermon. Don't worry about studying the text.
0: ...about it, whether he would meditate on it day and night, and whether he would be careful to observe to do it. Put it into practice. I guess another way we could say is God told him, make my word a priority, and I'll
1: make your success a reality make my word a priority and I'll make your success a reality, but I'm not going to make your word a priority in the preparing of my sermons. I mean, do you not see just how ironic and almost hypocritical this whole thing is? Now, all of us have hypocrisy in our lives. So I'm, and one, I'm not trying to be too judgmental, but at the same time, this is just insane to listen to because he's sitting there preaching this somehow, like, I don't know, it's his sermon. Man, I'm reading, I got your sermon right here in front of me, okay, that I paid $50 to get. You clearly didn't write the sermon that's being sold because this was being sold way before you preached your sermon.
0: Some of you probably need to write that down. Make my word a priority and I'll make your success a reality. Does the Bible take priority in our lives? Are you saturated in the word? Do you read the word? Or are you content with a sparse sprinkling of it on occasionally
1: on a on a little a sparse sprinkling of it like this sermon that you didn't write that you didn't study the text for yeah like like this like this note maybe that
0: someone sends to you or a devotional thought that you get by email or something that you see on a pinterest board please
1: don't okay we're back all right. We're back. We had a temporary Internet issue again. Unbelievable today. All right. I think we're okay. I think the Internet's back. I think we're okay. We're back on all, all platforms. I do apologize. I will edit this up. I will edit some of this out. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's very frustrating when this happens, but I'm not going to let it get to me. We're not going to get distracted. I'm going to back this up just a little bit. I'm going to back this up. I'm going to back this up, and we're going to continue. We're going to press on and see if we can finish this, all right? He's he's uh, d- discussing Joshua 1, eight. all right? Uh, and the script says, God says that the key is for Joshua to prosper and succeed, and all he does lies in whether the book of the law would guide his every move. In this case, for us today, does the Bible really take priority in our lives? Are, are you saturated with the word every day, Or are you content with a sparse sprinkling of it? And I made a comment about, yeah, like the the sermon, which is a sparse sprinkling of God's word. You didn't actually study it because you're simply reading a script that you purchased. He's sitting there telling these people, like, you need the word of God. It needs to be a guide and you need to saturate your life with it. While he's preaching a sermon that had nothing to do with his study of God's word because he simply bought the sermon. It's just, it's just insane how he can't perceive that he's not even doing what he's telling the people that they're supposed to be doing. Now, now let's go back to the sermon. On a on a little note, maybe that someone sends to you or a devotional
0: thought that you get by email or something that you see on a Pinterest board or Instagram meme or something of that nature. And there's nothing wrong with those things. I like all of those things, too, and I and I consume all of those different forms. But there's something about being responsible for feeding yourself the word of God. I know there have been a lot of times in my life where I've gone through what I call a dry season. Where
1: scripture wasn't as prioritized as it should have been. Word- yeah, you went through a dry season and maybe you bought a sermon. Like this would be a good time to, to explain to people why you bought a sermon because you're in a dry season. I would respect that.
0: Yeah responsibility and family and other distractions kept me distracted from that. Maybe I was sleeping more than I needed to, or, or just wasn't
1: diligent as. Oh man. Okay. Now I'm going to get frustrated. I thought, okay, this is awesome. He's being very genuine, right? He's being very genuine. He's talking about going through a dry season and this would be a great time to confess to everyone why he bought a sermon series. And then I looked down at the script. Tell a story about when you went through a dry season. Focus on what was affected in your life because of your lack of intimacy with God and his word in that season. He's literally telling this story about how he went through a dry season because the script told him to. I could have been. And we all
0: hit those seasons where we feel distant from God at times.
1: That's literally from the script. We all hit these seasons when we feel distance from God and his word. Unbelievable.
0: But in those seasons, our painful and tragic situations are often multiplied in terms of our response to them
1: again, straight from the script, but in those seasons, our painful and tragic situations are often multiplied in terms of our response to them. The Bible is meant to guide us through our responses in every given scenario in life. The question is, will we do it God's way? If the answer is to be yes, we must keep learning what uh, about what God says in his word. This looks like some sort of daily devotion. It's similar to what a heart doctor would tell you. Want to be healthy, work out and some form every day for 30 minutes. That has to do with strengthening muscles in our physical body. It is the same for our spiritual life. If we want to become close to God and respond well to the tough times we face, we must not only keep watch, but we must stay committed to learning. So read your Bible more. Just don't use your Bible in preparing sermons. Just pay $50 for them.
0: Because the Bible is intended to help us to know how to respond to the struggle. It doesn't keep us from facing the struggle. It doesn't exempt us from encountering the struggle. It empowers us to know how to respond in the midst of the struggle. It's similar to what a heart doctor would tell you. He would say, you want to stay healthy? Work out. Work out. Every day. 20 minutes. Get your heart rate up. Strengthen the muscles in your body. Eat a low-fat diet. Avoid certain foods. If you want to live a long time, do these things. It's the same thing. God is saying the same thing to us. If you want to live ready, if you want to be ready, you have to keep watch. You have to keep learning. And then thirdly, you have to come to Jesus. Not necessarily in that order, but you have to come to Jesus. The reality of living ready and vigilant lives over our souls Our eternal state of being is that we ultimately need to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: The order is so whacked out. Hey, you need to keep watch. You need to keep learning. And then you need to get saved. Now, he even he says not necessarily in that order. Well, if it's not necessarily that order, when you bought the sermon, why didn't you reverse the order? And now you preached it. I mean, you can you could you you take the PDF cut and paste it into your own notes. Even, Even the order is whacked out. Hey, you need to keep watch. You need to keep watch for Jesus' return. You need to keep learning. Oh, and you need to get saved. And l- literally, here's a, he's a reading from the script again. Um, the reality of living ready and vigilant lives over our souls, our eternal state of being, is that we ultimately need to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is this at the end? Oh, I know why this is at the end. It's supposed to set up the invitation so that you can invite people to get saved. The only problem is... It makes no sense logically. So do you care about even a th- the get saved, then then learn, then keep watch for Jesus' return? That would make the, the appropriate order, right?
0: I mean we can do principles, we can modify behavior, we can adjust habits, we can implement routines. We can establish these kinds of, of customary practices that we apply in our lives on a regular basis. And we'll see some value and we'll see some positivity that will produce good results to a certain degree. But at the end of all of those things, when you peel back all of those layers and you get to the core of our soul, is there peace? Are we experiencing the peace of God? You see, Jesus brings peace. The Bible says that people like you and I naturally live in a sinful state. Most of you probably know the story about Adam and Eve, at least in one form or another. Genesis chapter 3, sin entered into the world and all humanity has basically followed along that natural progression. There was a sacrifice that had to come in order to bring Sins power under control and to provide us access to a restored walk and relationship with God. That was something that happened through Jesus. It's called salvation. Jesus saves us from the
1: power of sin. All this is pretty much straight along with the script. Pretty, almost, not verbatim, but pretty close.
0: He helps us to be able to live free from our sin so that Whenever we're suffering, because we all suffer. Whenever we're tempted, because we're all tempted. In fact, Scripture says Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. Whenever we encounter negative results or negative consequences, we can live ready and confident for any and every every curveball that comes our way. Whatever life throws us, our response is to accept the gift of salvation. To be all in for him, to live ready, to live watchful, to be
1: mindful, to be focused, to be clear. So many theological issues we could get into, but the goal here is just to show you how all of this is just, you know, we can live ready and confident before any and every curveball that life may throw uh, our way when we are sure of our salvation. Our response is to accept his gift and come to him personally. And the good news is the Bible tells us exactly how to do this. And now he's going to go to Romans ten nine.
0: Clear thinking. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What's he saying? He's saying if you confess, like even right here in this moment, that Jesus is Lord and place Him on the throne of your heart, He'll save your soul. Now those kinds of terms can sound really weird and confusing.
1: You got to put him on the throne of your heart. I mean, that's right there in the Bible. Hey, that when you get saved, you've got to put him on the throne of your heart. If you don't put him on the throne of your heart, you're not saved.
0: I met with, with someone else this week, and we were talking.
1: Please know I'm being very sarcastic there. Okay.
0: Talking about a mental struggle that they were going through and, and how to, to identify the challenge and how to figure out Times that they've overcome the struggle versus times that they've been defeated by the struggle, and what are the differences that they are able to identify? And I can't know what those things are because I'm not the person that experiences it, but I can kind of coach them on how to discover that process. And and I told them, I said, you know, you need to you need to go back and you need to think about this and you need to think about that. Think about these two instances: this one here when you're totally defeated, this one here when.
1: I wonder if these people would come to him for spiritual advice if they knew that he, I don't know, buys his sermons? You're totally engaged. What is the difference? It's especially
0: interesting whenever they happen within a few minutes of each other. You're totally defeated one minute, and you're totally engaged the next minute. What happened? Well, in the simplest way of saying it, it's a change of our mind. It's a change of thought. It's a change of focus. It's a redirection. But it's not necessarily easy. Necessarily easy. That's why I believe the Scripture is so powerful. Because I believe the Scripture is like a secret
1: weapon. The Bible is like a secret weapon in your circle. He believes the Bible is the secret weapon and it's so powerful, yet he doesn't actually study it to write his sermon. Yeah, okay, sure
0: circumstance you can take the bible which the scripture calls the sword of faith sword of the spirit and you can wield that verse or those verses and remind yourself of the promises of god and the application and the promises that he has extended to you and it can bring satisfaction into your heart that nothing else can He can even help us to align our desires with His desires. And ultimately, that's where we want to be aligned. So, I'll just ask you, what's something in your life today that's keeping you from being ready? If you're distracted, if you're disgusted, if you're overwhelmed, if you're frustrated all the time about all the garbage that's going on in our world, your focus isn't in the right place. If you find yourself talking more about the world and culture and politics and drama and disappointment and fear and dread and all the mess that's happening around us, your focus is off. And I'm not condemning anybody because my focus has been off many times as well. I've been right there with you. Sometimes I get up to my eyebrows and that stuff. But one of my statements that I regularly say, and I say it to myself and I say it to other people that I care about, is control what you can control. I can't control any of the other big issues of the day. But I can control whether or not I readily access the Scripture. I can control whether or not I memorize the Word of God. I can control whether or not I use my phone for communication and correspondence in a positive, healthy manner. You can control whether you buy a sermon or not. And whether I lay it down and don't engage in other negative, negative behaviors. I can control whether or not I listen to things that are uplifting and spiritually vibrant and that are, that are encouraging and inspiring and empowering in my life versus things that are depleting and emotionally discouraging. I can control those things. I can control how I choose to respond whenever I see certain things that frustrate me. Response number one for me is to turn it off. Just cut it off. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God blind than it is to be deceived. Right hand offends you, cut it off. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God maimed and crippled than it is to go in with both limbs and and be overwhelmed and deceived. What's he saying? Obviously, we're not talking about plucking my eyes out. But what I am talking
1: about is cutting off the things. He's added all of this. This is all him now. Now he's adding all of this. This is all just add. This says the sermon basically is over on the script. So he's doing a lot of ad lib. Of course, we can get all the theological issues that's going on here, referencing the Sermon on the Mount without any context. Just so much is going on here.
0: That bring the negative narrative into my life. You say, well, Pastor Joe, uh, you, you want to be informed. You want to you know what's going on. I challenge anybody here in this place or anyone watching online to come to me with something that I'm not informed on.
1: Hey, uh, Pastor Joe, do, do you have uh, any thoughts on pastors buying their sermons? Because I think you are definitely informed on that. Bring it. Bring your A-game.
0: I'm 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 not being arrogant. I'm telling you, I am informed. In fact, I'm not not just informed on a lot of things, I'm actually educated.
1: Why is he being so arrogant? Bring your A game. Come on, come on, see how much I'm informed. In fact, I'm educated. Like what what is, what does this have to do with the sermon? Maybe this is why he buys his sermons. What has this got to do with it? Is he like mad at someone? Someone's challenged his knowledge on current events in this place or anyone watching
0: online to come to me with something that I'm not informed on. Bring it. Bring your A game. I'm, I'm, I'm not being arrogant. I'm telling you, I am informed. In fact, I'm not just informed on a lot of things. I'm actually educated. There is a difference. Informed means you typically know one side or one view or something that aligns with whatever you want. Educated means that you've evaluated a gamut of considerations and a variety of viewpoints, and you've kind of reconciled all of that data into a perspective that's unique.
1: This is interesting. He's getting fired up here. Like, hey, I'm not just knowledgeable. I'm, And he, he hits the pulpit. I'm educated. Like he, this is what he's getting fired up about. He, he's getting, he's not been fired up at all about the script because obviously it's not his. Now he's getting fired up and he wants everyone to know I'm educated on many things. I know, like, what does this have to do with the sermon? Like, well, this has literally nothing to do with the sermon. Someone ticked him off. Someone made him mad, calling into question how much he knows or doesn't know. Now he's going to let the whole church know I am educated on things. What does this got to do with the sermon?
0: So I'm happy to entertain those conversations, but I refuse to listen to propaganda that constantly bombards my mind with negative stuff and tries to, to pull me down. That's what I'm talking about. I'm all about being informed. I'm all about being educated. I'm all about being engaged. I'm all about being active. I'm all about serving and living in a community where we can make an impact. I'm not about separating from the, from the culture. I'm about being separate in our spiritual lives, but being engaged and active in our public And you're all about buying sermons. Public lives. Being a representative of Jesus Christ animating his character and living as a witness and telling his story to other people that need to hear it. I'm all about those things. We need to live ready. We need to be ready. And we need to trust that we can be faithful even in the most frustrating circumstances that we've ever experienced.
1: Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. There's the sermon. Now, I do apologize for the, once again, internet interruption. Don't know what happened. Everything went down. Church One went down. Spreaker went down. So it wasn't this weird, like, only one thing's going down. No, everything went down. Don't know why. Craziness. But uh, it, we we came back up. We're able to finish it. I do apologize. I will do a little bit of editing of the audio file so that it when we upload it, it will hopefully have some kind of a smooth connection to all of it. Um, I know I kind of, you may have felt like I kind of lost some of my passion and zeal by the end. I just became kind of just frustrated. I, I just really started bothering me how he's telling the church, you need to study your Bible. You need the Bible. You need the Bible every day, at least 30 minutes a day, basically. Well, yeah, I think he used 20 minutes, but you need the Bible every single day and you need to read it and you need to memorize it. And And he literally didn't even use his Bible to prepare a sermon and you're going to somehow place a burden on the people. That just really discouraged me, really made me angry because, and that, and then he's got people coming to him for spiritual advice. And he gives these illustrations of spiritual advice. And someone came to him because they feel guilty about their sin and feel like God can't forgive them. And he basically says, you're acting like God, like, what is that? Like, no, I I gave him the the sweetness of the God. No, it was like, just this just really started making me feel very discouraged and very depressed. So by the end, I may have, I was no longer laughing. It was no longer fun. I was now getting really, really, really upset, almost wanting to call the church going, Hey man, okay. If you're going to put burdens on the people, how about you write your own sermons? Okay, so yeah, I got a little bothered there. And if you're going to be giving people spiritual advice, maybe they should know that you don't actually use your Bible to write your sermons. There you have it. He followed the script until the end where he got mad and wanted everyone to know that he's educated about many issues. Until that, he was just reading a script. Then he got fired up. But what he got fired up apart really had nothing to do with the sermon. And I still don't even really understand exactly. In fact, the whole sermon structure is so whacked out. It's just, I don't know. I don't even know what you say about that. It's definitely not worth $12. It's not worth, worth $50. This sermon is not worth 25 cents. But there's the world of pastors buying their sermons. We'll do some more work on this subject. And uh, we'll see where this goes. We may review some more sermons. I'm assuming this pastor, since he's preaching the series, maybe we'll just review how he handles the entire series. I don't know. We will see. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at If you are listening and the audio cut out, we have problems with the internet, but I think everything is here. What I will edit it, upload it, and it will be available on all platforms in probably the next 30 minutes. But currently, I have steak waiting for me downstairs, so I need to go downstairs and eat. And, and forget about this sermon because now I'm extremely frustrated by it. Hopefully it bothers you as much as it bothers me because this needs to be exposed and this practice needs to come to an end. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.